So today is uh, the last Sunday of 2019, the last Sunday of this decade. Uh, it's kind of weird to think about that. I don't know about you, but it seems that time just keeps moving faster and faster along. Uh, remember, we were just getting ready for Christmas and doing these things. Now it's gone, and we're on our way to the new year. And before that, we were celebrating the new year of 2019. So it seems like, for me, it seems like this year went by really fast. Now, as we celebrated Christmas this past week at Becky's parents' house up in Battleground, it was hard to believe that we were already celebrating Christmas once again. And the phrase that kept popping in my head was, this time last year. This time last year. Uh, because of all that went on since last year. And for us and our family, Anthony being introduced to a girl named Lauren, and now they're engaged to be married, all within this whole year. Maddie's trip to Uganda, off to Africa, this time last year, she was gearing up for that. And uh, now her relationship with a wonderful man named Ivan. Zach and Amanda, they announced their pregnancy, oh, we're going to be grandparents, and now we are grandparents, and we, uh, on the arrival of Ransom, we've been enjoying grandparenthood. And of course, my mother's death, as she passed away in September. Uh, last year at this time, we were wondering and anticipating what 2019 would hold. Now we kind of know. <laughs> A few more days left, but we kind of know what 2019 has held. And so we look at 2020 and we're going, wow, what, what will this next year hold? But at time, as time continues to march on, we... We, we are challenged to answer the questions that it brings. And, and those challenges will be laden with happiness and tears, as the song Sunrise, Sunset speaks of. So how will we answer those questions and challenges in this next year? I guess we could be like a lot of people, make New Year's resolutions, although usually, as someone has said, they usually go in one year and out the other. Um, but I hope that if we make any resolutions, we do a better job than most folks. But the reality is we are probably not much different than most folks. <laughs> and even so, I would like to offer you five resolutions that I think each of us should make for this next year of 2020. And they are found in Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to look at the first 10 verses of Proverbs and uh, visit that portion of Scripture as we look at these five resolutions. And each of these resolutions is paired with a reward. And I, I don't think we should have to receive a reward in order to do the things God wants us to do. <laughs> but I am thankful that God blesses us when we are obedient to Him. So, let's consider what we might resolve to do in the year 2020. So, first resolution, we'll start right off and get going with this. First resolution, I will get in the Word and stay in the Word. I will get in the Word and stay in the Word. You know, the Bible is, is annually the best-selling book, and I, I wish that being the most sold book translated and being the most read book. But unfortunately, uh, I, I know that is not true. But let's see what Proverbs tells us about getting into and staying in the Word. In verse 1, Proverbs chapter 3, it says, My son... Don't forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. We all need to make a renewed effort to be good students of God's Word. 
We need to be reading it daily. We need to be studying it with others. That's why we went through the series on understanding God's Word. It gets a little more in depth in what uh, the Bible is about. And if you aren't coming to Sunday school, you should start next week. Start the new year off in that way, or first Sunday of the new year. Get into Sunday school class. And if you can't make it Sunday school, we have a good Bible study going on at Lyra Chisholm's house on Wednesday night, going through 1 Samuel. But you can't be who Jesus wants you to be if you don't know what Jesus wants you to be. So how do you know? Where do you find the instructions for living a life that pleases the Lord? Of course, it's in the Bible. It's in God's Word. But it's not enough just to read the Word. We need to be studying the Word, and we should be doing that together. The author of Proverbs also says, in uh, Proverbs 27, verse 17, about iron sharpening iron, which means that we need one another if we truly want to sharpen our spiritual lives. And I don't mean to diminish the value of personal Bible study. That's very important, but I, I believe it is both arrogant and foolish to believe that you can study the Bible alone without any interaction with others and get all that the Lord wants to reveal to you. We learn so much when we learn together. We learn so much from one another. So you being in Bible study and sharing what God has shown you might be exactly what someone else needs to grow in their spiritual lives. They might need you to come alongside and give some insight in the, in this, in the portion of Scripture that's being studied. There are many times I have learned important lessons about life and God's Word while, while teaching others. It's so important for us to study God's Word together. And if you aren't involved in Bible study, you aren't just depriving yourself, you're shortchanging others as well. I believe that God is going to reward those who make a renewed commitment to get into and, and staying in His Word. Look at verse 2 of Proverbs chapter 3. It says, For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. So what does that mean? Can I promise you that if you start coming to Sunday school and Wednesday night Bible study, you will live longer? I don't think so. But I can promise you this. Getting into the Word with others will add to your life. It will add to your life. If you're involved with the Bible study with other people, you will add to your life. There are things about life that you will never learn until you're willing to make a commitment to faithfully studying God's Word. So why not make that resolution today? Let's get in the Word and stay in the Word. There's a lot of great reading plans that you can begin here really soon, the new year. That would help you get into the Word and stay in the Word. And probably the key thing, of course, is staying in the Word. A second resolution we can find in verses 3 and 4. I will get serious about my commitment to God and others. I will get serious about my commitment to God and others. If there is one thing that I think is most missing in our culture today, it would be commitment. Commitment. People aren't committed to God. People aren't really committed to others like they should be. Here's a simple illustration I've seen develop over the years. Now, I've always been a, a sports fan. Ever since ah, third grade, fourth grade, whatever, just enjoyed sports, watching it, playing it. 
And years ago, most players in professional sports would stay with the team their whole careers, right? You'd have a Cal Ripken Jr. be with their team forever. You'd have those players be with their teams throughout their careers. We now live in an age of free agency, where players peddle their athleticism to the highest bidder. You have LeBron James, who's been to a number of teams, uh, I think back to Cleveland twice. Uh, yet Kevin Durant, who's been a number of teams as well, following the money. Anthony Davis as well. You've seen a lot of those things happen as a sports fan. Fans are just as bad as well. It used to be that a person was a fan of one team and stuck with that team no matter what. I remember the choir director over at Labish Center, he was a Boston Red Sox fan. I think he was in his 80s when we were just leaving uh, Labish Center to come here, and he was still a Red Sox fan, trying to cheer them on. And some of you know, in baseball, they didn't win another pennant until 2004, I think it was. A very long drought, uh, dry period uh, of, of doing that. But he stuck with them all through those years. But nowadays, people jump on and off the bandwagon based on who's winning. And we've got a number of Patriots fans, probably because they have been a good football team these years. Uh, the thing is, is that uh, there's doesn't seem like there's there there are fans that are that are loyal to their teams anymore. They move on to the the team that is winning. And what has happened in sports is a picture of what has happened in society as a whole. We have way too much free agency in relationships, free agency in jobs. It might be better over here. Let's go this direction. In churches, we have free agency. You know, what might be going on over next door or over across the road or, you know, next uh, across town, go to that church instead of the one that they've been attending for, for quite a while. And most unfortunately, uh, free agency and people committed to Jesus Christ. So what does Proverbs say to us about commitment? Look at verse 3 says, never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Now, this is the Holman Christian Standard Bible version. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, Scripture says that we should never do something. I would take that to be pretty important. And what is it that we are to never do? Here it says, let loyalty and faithfulness leave us. Never let that happen. Would you say that those two words are synonymous with what commitment should be? Loyalty, faithfulness. The word that the Holman Christian Standard Bible translates as loyal is one of the most important words in all of the Old Testament. It is a Hebrew word that's often translated as loving kindness, mercy, or loyal love. It is a reflection of the character of God that He will always be there for us, that we can count on Him, that His love never ends. So how would you grade yourself on being loyal and faithful? Maybe to God, maybe to others. Is commitment a word that has been written on your heart? I hear people talk about uh, commitment, but I'm afraid I don't see a lot of committed people. People often talk about wanting more, wanting to do more, but never experiencing either. And why? Jesus gives us a simple, straightforward explanation 
in Luke chapter 16. Verse 10, it says, Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and whoever is, is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So are you, are you faithful in little? You've been given a little bit. Are you faithful in that? Are you loyal in that? Would you identify yourself as someone who is loyal to the Lord and to others? What kind of legacy are you building? What kind of legacy will you build in the coming year of 2020? Once Babe Ruth was asked about his legacy, his influence on others, he said, most of the people who have really counted in my life were not famous. Few ever heard of them, except those who knew and loved them. I knew an old minister once whose hair was white, whose face shone. I have written my name on thousands and thousands of baseballs in my life. He wrote his name on just a few simple hearts. How I envy him. He was not trying to please himself and win the plaudits of the world, so fame never came to him. I am listed as a famous home run hitter, yet beside that humble, obscure minister who was so good and wise, I never got to first base. <laughs> I would like to propose to you that each of us are in the baseball diamond of life, standing at the plate, and the pitch is on the way. So are we going to get a hit? Are we going to get a hit? I'm not asking for home runs. That doesn't normally happen. I'm simply challenging us all to be willing to get to first base by renewing our commitments to God and to others. Take the first step. Don't have to swing for the fences. Who can tell me, who can tell me the, the Marine Corps motto? Know what it is? Semper Fi. Yep. Latin phrase, Semper Fidelis. 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 There we go, Fidelis. And Fidelis is, is Latin for faithful. And the word Semper means when convenient, when I feel like it, when I don't have anything else to do, when it suits me, when I get something out of it. No, no, of course not. Always. Semper. Always. Not sometimes, not most times, not almost all the time. It means always, always faithful. So would that model fit your life? Are you always committed to Christ? What about to his church? Are you always faithful? How about to your family? Are you always faithful? How about to your job? Are you always faithful? We simply don't have time to examine all the areas in life where we could apply a little more commitment, but I'm sure there are several that come to your mind right now where you can maybe be more faithful in what you do. Here's a great way to look at commitment. Imagine the year ahead of you as a blank piece of paper. Maybe at the top of it, it says 2020. Then at the bottom of the page, sign that bottom of the page. Put your name, sign your name down at the bottom of that page and let God fill in the rest. Because normally in contracts, that's what you do. You sign at the bottom, on the bottom line. You agree to what's going to be going on in this document. And so I'm suggesting for you in 2020, as far as commitment goes, 
that you already put your signature at the bottom of that page of this this year coming up and trust that God knows what he's doing, committing to him, being faithful to his ways, faithful to what he has for your life in this coming year. So what commitments do you need to get serious about in 2020? Is there a reward for getting serious about our commitments to God to God and to others? I, I think verse 4 tells us there is. Uh, look at verse 4, Proverbs 3. Then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. Committed people, people who are both loyal and faithful to God and to their fellow man, are blessed because they are a blessing. They bless other people. The reward is in knowing that you are making a positive difference in the life of others. And we can see that example in the life of Jesus as he grew up. And speaking of when he was only 12 years old, Luke said in uh, chapter 2, verse 52 in, in Gospel of Luke, he said, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. What was true for Jesus can be true for us as individuals and as a church as well. Listen, listen to how Luke characterized the influence of the early church in Acts chapter 2. And he said, And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. So are you going to find favor with God and with others in this next year, in 2020? Is Happy Valley, is this church going to find favor with God and with our community? If so, then we are going to have to renew our commitments to Him and to others. Is it possible that God will add to our lives and to our church if we commit ourselves to Him? I believe He can, and I believe He will. So let's get serious about our commitment to God and to others. A third resolution. Third resolution we can consider here from Proverbs 3. I will give up control of my life to God. <laughs> Verses 5 and 6. I will give up control of my life to God. Verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him. Now, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, is a passage that teaches the importance of lordship. And we don't talk a lot about the lordship of Christ because you know, I suppose we aren't willing to truly submit our lives fully to Him. We don't talk about it, maybe we don't have to do it. <laughs> but it's in the Bible, it's there, and as you read God's Word, I'm sure you come across it a number of times. Let me illustrate how we often handle the lordship of Christ. Suppose a person believes that Jesus died and rose again to save them from their sins and accept Him as their Savior to become a Christian. Then suppose that that person then is going to be baptized. And just as they are getting ready to go underwater, they realize that they forgot to take their wallet out of their pocket. <laughs> so as they, do, they go under, they quickly grab their wallet and hold it above the water real quick as they go under and come back up. I remember Jake, we had to wrap his arm... <laughs> When he got baptized. How's that arm doing, by the way? I was wondering, you know, what's going to happen here? <laughs> uh, but do you see my point? You know, it's not about the actual wallet. 
Saving your wallet from getting soaked is a natural and appropriate response. If you had your phone in your pocket and you're going down, I can understand, unless it's a waterproof thing. So as they go, as this happens, people respond that way. But I wonder, as we consider Jesus' lordship, if there are things that we remove from our life and hold above the water and say, God, you are Lord of all my life, accept this. I'm going to hold on to this because this really concerns me or this is very valuable to me or I really can't trust anyone else with this. I need to hold on to this. When we do that, you have to realize that if God is not Lord of all in your life, then He's not Lord at all in your life. He's either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. There's no way around the fact that this scripture says that we are to trust in the Lord with all our heart and that we are to acknowledge Him in all our ways. All means all. (laughs) All never means some, and yet we sometimes allow Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. One of the most powerful verses on, on Lordship is found in Paul's letter to the Romans. It's in Romans chapter 12. First couple verses. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I have heard people say that they wished they knew what God's will was for their life. If only I knew what God's will was for my life, that would make it so much easier. Be able to know where to go, what turns to make, what decisions to make, all these things. Now, the reality is, is if you want to know, you have to be willing to give up control of your life to Christ. That's the thing. If you want to know, you've got to let go. <laughs> be able to understand that God has control of your life. If you don't, then you're always going to be wondering, what is it that God wants me to do? I wonder what it is. I wonder what it is. I can't understand why He would do these things. And we have those thoughts at times, of course. But when we give up control of our life to Christ, then we can follow what He has for us and trust Him for what He has for us. And to apply, to apply what Proverbs 3, verse 5 is saying, we must trust Him and we must Think about Him. Not just when it is convenient or when you are facing some crisis, but every moment of every day. Wake up. You think about what God has for you for that day. You go to bed. You thank Him for what has happened in that day, the good, bad, and the ugly. And you anticipate what He has for you the next day. God is on your heart, in your mind, all the time thinking about Him. That is the essence of lordship. Let me give you a simple image to help you remember what it means to allow Jesus to be Lord of your life. Take a look at a simple bicycle tire. You go this this summer when it's not raining and nice and warm, not cool and, and freezing, days like we have here. You go on a bike ride. Look at a simple bicycle tire. The tire is on the rim on on the outside and is connected to the hub in the center. 
with individual spokes. And suppose this wheel represented your, your life, the wheel, the tire part. Would Jesus be the hub in the center or one of the spokes coming out of that hub? Is Jesus the center of your life? Does everything revolve around him? Or, or is he just a part of your life, one of the spokes that support that tire? If he isn't the hub, he isn't your Lord. He needs to be the hub of your life. If you, are, if you are the hub instead of Christ, then you are relying on your own understanding instead of trusting in Him. And it needs to change. You and I need to resolve to give up control of our lives to Jesus. And His reward is very simple. Look at what it says in the, in the remainder of that verse, verse 6. And He will guide you on the right paths. Do you want to be on the right path for this next year? Is there anybody else besides me that, that maybe took some wrong turns in this, this year, in 2019? If you would like a professional guide to help you navigate through this next year of 2020, Jesus is available. <laughs> He's willing to be your guide, willing to help you walk you through this year to come. Give up control of your life to God. A fourth resolution that we can capture here in uh, Proverbs chapter 3, found in verses 7 and 8. I will learn humility. I will learn humility. And don't brag about it. <laughs> Verse 7. Don't consider yourself to be wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Don't consider yourself to be wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. One of the primary reasons we don't get lordship right is because we haven't learned humility. We're still too wise in our own eyes to understand how little we really know. True humility enables us to have a right perspective on God, a right perspective on ourselves, and also too on others. Without it, we simply cannot be who the Lord wants us to be. One of the phrases that you probably remember hearing as a kid, I, I know I did, was don't be too smart for your own good. Maybe you've heard that, maybe you didn't. I usually heard that from my mom when I was getting a little too expressive with my point of view. There's a dictionary online called the Urban Dictionary, and this is how it defined this phrase, don't be too smart for your own good. It says uh, one of them is overconfident or cocky. Another one is believing that you know everything to the point to where it can harm you or work against you. A third one, definition of this phrase is assuming or showing knowledge, intelligence, to the point where it can harm you or work against you. A fourth definition, believing that you know something you really don't, which could get you in trouble. And also, last, lastly, it also can be synonymous for the phrase, too big for your britches. And that's another one I heard sometimes as well, too. Personally, I believe that many of us as Christians are too big for our britches. 
We control our lives. We believe that we are entitled to everything. Our point of view is the point of view. And if others don't like it, that's their problem. Where's the humility in that? (laughs) Here's the problem. If we don't humble ourselves before the Lord, if we don't fear Him, which means both to be in awe of Him as well as to be afraid of His great power, then we are going to end up places we don't belong. (laughs) We're going to end up in places we don't belong if we don't realize that we need to be humble. God's Word is pretty clear about a lot of things, and it is filled with with things He wants us to do and things He wants us not to do. And if we are truly humbling ourselves before Him, if if we genuinely fear the Lord, then we are going to be obedient to His Word, and that will keep us away from evil, as verse 7 speaks of. And I like the reward that comes from humbly submitting our our lives to Christ. Look at verse 8. This will be healing for your body and strengthening strengthening for your bones. Healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. When we turn from sin and we turn to the Lord, we experience revival from within. If you are struggling with that sick feeling inside, and feel like you don't have the strength to carry on, it may be that you need to humble yourself before God. You've been doing it yourself too long, relying upon your own strength, relying upon what you can do. We need to ask for God's forgiveness so that you may experience again what David called in the Psalms, the joy of his salvation. Way too many Christians remain spiritually sick and weak because they aren't willing to submit themselves completely to Jesus Christ. Don't you think 2020 should be the time for you to do just that? Submit yourselves to Jesus? Let's learn humility for this next year. And let's finish up with one more resolution. Resolution found in verses 9 and 10. I will be more generous. I will be more generous. Verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. Now, there are several words that should jump out uh, right off the page at us in verse 9. What does it mean to honor the Lord? You look at that and you go, okay, uh, my possessions. I'm supposed to honor the Lord. What does honoring mean? What does that look like? At the heart of this Hebrew word is the idea of heaviness or weight. And to honor the Lord is for Him to outweigh everything else in your life. He's the heavy in your life. To honor Him with our possessions is to acknowledge that because He is our Lord and Master, everything belongs to Him and that giving, and that giving is part of our relationship with Him. He's provided for us in our lives anyway. The things that we have, the position we have in life, God has provided all of that along the way for us. There are some powerful stewardship principles in this verse. 
and we don't have time to address them all this morning, but I want to simply encourage you to resolve to be more generous in this next year, in 2020. And why? Is it because I want you to give more money to the church? Um, well, if you aren't being a faithful giver, then I encourage you to start right now. But that is really not only a, it's only a part of, much, of a much bigger issue. The issue is stewardship, and stewardship is about putting Christ first. That's what stewardship is all about. Notice that the proverb says, with the first produce of your entire harvest. Putting Jesus first isn't just about money. I believe we need to resolve to be more generous with our time, with our talents, as well as, of course, with our treasure. So is there a reward there? For being generous, I believe verse 10 tells us about it. Look at verse 10. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. I want to live a completely filled and overflowing life in the coming year. And I believe that it's possible if I'm willing to be more generous. I want to give of myself and all that I have in accordance with all that Jesus has given to me. I believe as your pastor, I can do so much more. There's so many more things that I could be doing in ministry for, for uh, the, the church families here. And so I'm looking at this next year as basically taking the baton and running with it as far and as hard as I can. I know that we suffered loss. In this, in this year and the year before that as well. I know you've suffered loss in your families as well. I've suffered loss in my family. But I believe it's time, at least for your pastor, to get up and get going. Start running this race, not just, the, not, not just to run it, but to win it. Be able to go before you and show you an example of what we need to be doing. I feel God has kind of placed that on my heart to let you know that things can get accomplished around here in this community for the Lord. And I'm, I'm hoping that I won't be the only one taking this baton and running with it. But I believe we as a church can make an impact in this community. And uh, for at least these 12 months, I'm willing to sprint, 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 ready to go, and as long as I can. But listen to this verse from Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Although he was rich for your sake, he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And listen to how the message paraphrases that verse. You are familiar with the generosity of our Master, Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, he gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he became poor and we became rich. So I've experienced firsthand the generosity of Jesus. In this last year, it's been incredible. And I want to learn to be generous as well. And I want to give as much as I can, as long as I can. And so for this next year, I'm going to be doing what I can to have this church body make a difference for this community for Christ. I'm just wondering, how about you? Are you ready to be more generous with your time, 
your talents, and your treasure. Let's be more generous. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. They're going to lead us in a couple songs here to conclude our time together. But let me ask you this question as they come on up. What are you going to resolve to do today? What are you resolved to do today? How do you need to respond to what you have heard today? There's a, in the list to remind us. Is it to get into God's Word and stay in the Word? Maybe that's hit you today, and you're going, yeah, you know, that's something I need to work on. I'm going to trust God for that. Is it to get serious about your commitment to God and to others? Maybe there's some relationships that you need to go to and go, you know, I've been a flake. <laughs> I haven't been consistent in this friendship, in this relationship. I want to be more committed in this. Is it to give up control of your life to God? Maybe you've held on to too many things. You've held above the water uh, uh, some items in your life that you need to actually allow God to take control of. Is it to give up control of your life to God? Is it to learn humility? Maybe you've become a little prideful and thinking that I can do some of these things. I've been, I've been successful here. I can do some of these things. Maybe you need to learn humility in this year. Maybe it's to be more generous in this next year. Whatever it is, I challenge you to use this time that we have here today to begin your new year right. Praying it in, asking God, what is it that you would have me do? What is it for this year that you have before me that I need to be obedient in? What is it that I need to be learning what is it that you want to use me for in a person's life or in a situation? And you may, you may need to come to the altar and kneel down before the Lord and have a little time of prayer. You may need someone to pray with you. Whatever it is, just trust that you'll spend time with God right now. As we go through these two songs, and just trust God to be able to bring to you His direction his response to your question, what is it, Lord, that you want me to be doing in this next year? What are you resolved to do today? Question of trust that you can bring before God and sense his leading in it.